It's time once again for the Worship Ministry Catalyst Podcast. Worship Ministry Catalyst is a resource for all worship leaders and team members serving in the local church. So take a seat at the table and join the conversation as we discuss all things worship, from team dynamics to technology and song selection. And now it's time for the show. Hey, good morning. Welcome to Worship Ministry Catalyst, uh, your weekly dose of practical conversation for the local uh, worship team member. Uh, this is Joe Brookhouse, along with David Lindner, episode 210. And good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning. I'm all right. How are you? I'm trying to get some comments open so I can see if anyone hops on. All right. Definitely. Like, my favorite part is, like, the feedback. Um, right. Is it, It's wonderful to have interaction with people and understand kind of what's going on uh, for me, it's very easy for me to get very insular. Like, well, everybody must experience worship like I do right. as a worship leader <laughs> at a church of 70 people, you know. But uh, I think one of the your initial goals, you can correct me, was, um, you know, there's a lot of huge churches uh, out there. Uh, there's a lot of team members. But, you know, um, how can we do this in a way that is meaningful to everybody, not just Hillsong? Right. Yeah, I mean that was that was really a big part of what got this big pile of receipts that's bothering me. Hitting <laughs> my OCD the wrong way this morning. But um, I'm gonna move it. You know, and that, while you're doing that, you know, and maybe there's room for the administrative side of uh, worship leadership. I, you know, there's a lot of tools in there for that. Um, expense management. Uh, that's a right. that's a topic I'm sure we'll get a lot of views on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's real exciting. It's what every worship leader wants to talk about. Oh, yeah. Oh, and I just dropped a receipt, two receipts in my coffee. Oh, well. Were there any of them expensive? I don't know. We'll see. Um, More worried about what was on the receipts that I'm going to drink in a few seconds. (laughs) Oh, well, sure. I like, well, (laughs) we lost another member today as David Linder died of ink poisoning or something like that. That's a morbid thing to start out with, isn't it? Well, that's not, you know, receipts and just got coffee on my face. Not such a problem when you're in a small church and you don't have any money and you just have to pay for everything yourself. <laughs> That's right. That's uh, I can relate. Actually, I can relate to that. And also, um, uh, I just turned in uh, my expense report. Um, I was told to turn it in every quarter so that it doesn't stack up. Um, I was already six months behind when the pandemic hit and then i'm like oh (laughs) now i don't want to turn it in because then it's going to be this you know i wouldn't say enormous but you know not insubstantial expense report on top of some financial hardships you know if uh, i'm not sure what our giving has been like some churches it's gone up and some it's gone down but uh, um, when there's no budget and then my wife goes hey you've been buying all this stuff yourself and then they look down in shame. <laughs> what uh, stuff? What are you talking about? What? Yeah, she, she she's aware. <laughs> we have a household budget. She watches closely, right? <laughs> uh, and she's like, "What's this three hundred and ten dollars? It's a church thing. Do you have the receipt? Are you going to be turning that in?" Uh, yeah. So yeah, uh, that that is it's one of those necessary administrative things. But uh, well, having a budget's nice. That's a completely separate topic. Right, yeah. Yeah. I uh 
I was never very good at that when I was a paid worship, you know, pastor. I was always, always struggling and putting, I mean, that's just kind of how I, my, my modus operandi of in general in life is to wait to the last minute. There's something about that last minute thing for me that kicks me into gear. And I, I honestly, I just have a hard time pushing myself ahead of time. I've been doing a little bit better the last couple of weeks to try because I want to get some more space in my schedule. So I've been working a little bit more ahead, but um, that's very abnormal for me to be able to to do that on a consistent basis. It's not a part of my DNA at all. Right. That urgency. Yeah. Uh, I have to manufacture urgency. In fact, I've been accused by my wife of creating problems that I can solve, um, you know, waiting long enough for it to become a problem so that that urgency part of my brain kicks in. It's also yeah. part, of, part of ADD, by the way, uh, that I go. So maybe I'm ADD. <laughs> well, I'm not here to, to uh, uh, yes, you do. But uh, to diagnose. <laughs> diagnose. That's my wife's job. Okay. Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll get you set up on a remote session with Vanessa. Oh, you just got shorter. Yeah, I'm trying to get a little more so I can sit up straighter and uh, and also still be in the right position. Yeah. All right. So, um, yeah, so we, uh, you know, small church, you, you just mentioned, um, I don't, I don't, I never want to talk negative about large churches. Yeah. That's a big part of my, my job, my, my, uh, values as a pastor. Um, we're a small church, but we don't talk negatively about big churches. Um, we don't put them down. There's no, why, why would I do that? They're all part of the kingdom. That doesn't make any sense to me. We're on the same team. So, That's right. Yeah. Um, but, but large churches just don't have the same problem. Having worked in large churches, large church problems are different than small church problems. And large church resources are a lot uh, more adept at resolving Right. problems than, than small churches. And so, you know, that's been a, kind of really the heartbeat of this podcast from the beginning, not just small churches, but medium, medium and sm- medium and smaller sized churches have really have a different set of problems and, and challenges than, you know, churches 700 and above. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I talk about that a lot um, to some of my like consulting clients that has nothing to do with church, but I work with a lot of small organizations that have the same needs, but none of the budget and trying to figure out, well, that's, you know, there's creativity in, in that element and uh, creativity. Oh, wait, look at that. Yeah. Somebody well, just gave me a coffee on the podcast live. Hey, wait a second. <laughs> Joe wants one. <laughs> anyway, uh, Thank you. We, we digress a bit. Uh, I remember when Hillsong Chapel released their first album, and I, I was tagged to review that. And I was excited. I'm like, oh, cool. This is arrangements really specifically for smaller churches and stuff. And then I read that in the liner notes, um, an intimate evening with uh, 900 people. <laughs> and I went, okay, okay, that's intimate for you. I get that. At first, it annoyed me, and then I'm like, it's all perspective. And I think, right. uh, you know, when I think about Gabriel and Nyla and the guys, um, their church is about eight thousand people. Wow. In um, that, you, that, they're really kind of the opposite end of that spectrum. And it is, mm-hmm. I know their hearts, and their uh, their hearts are wonderful. But they also, um, when they're talking about their Christmas program, 
they're talking about how much money do they budget for that. And I'm going, what's some free stuff we can use this year? (laughs) You know, it's just a different perspective. You're talking about a Christmas budget that's that's more than a lot of small churches' entire budget. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's like our, you know, the uh, uh, one of the churches we did the the singing Christmas tree, and the budget for that was way more than way more than our budget. Well, not way more, but it was substantial um, for uh, for a Christmas production. So Nick has joined us, by the way. Hey, Nick, how you doing? Good morning. He's our regular. Hey, Nick. Yeah, he's he's. One of our guys here at the church. Oh, all right. Well, there and, you go. Uh, yeah. Well, I do want to, I should apologize that we didn't get together last week. That was on me. My wife was on vacation and uh, I wasn't. However, there was something about me working and then saying, I'm going to just take a break and go do the podcast. I figured my wife would frown on that. She <laughs> understands it happens. It's one thing that she's aware of. It's another thing for it to happen while she's floating around. So that's that's <laughs> primarily why that did not occur. But uh, I'm glad to be back this week. And uh, again, our goal is to uh, try to make this a weekly thing. Yeah. Um, I had hoped that we could chat a little. I had a couple of things that I hoped we could chat about. And one thing I hope maybe it's just a regular regular topic is um, to talk a, bit, a little bit about music. Uh, I have found over the past two or three years that I've gotten a bit disconnected from the newer stuff that's coming out. For whatever reason, I just haven't felt drawn to that. And so uh, my pastor has commented to me on the dearth of new music that we have introduced. <laughs> and uh, he is a huge Rend Collective fan. So when okay. new music comes, he's like, oh, Rend Collective's got a new album. Here are the three songs that we need to introduce as soon as possible, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, and I think they're a talented group. I can take a little bit of them uh, in that. I don't want the whole service to be foot stomping, playing your acoustic as fast as possible uh, and saying, hey, uh, you know, a lot, but uh, yeah. um, what's the? I fr- like it. I, I could handle more of it. I, I'm, but I I also grew up in um, Southeast Ohio, which is bluegrass country. Oh yeah, yeah. So that's a lot. I mean, a lot of our music, not our not our worship music at the church, but you know, special music. It was bluegrass. I mean, it was guys right. with their. We had this guy. His name was Wally, and um, he was he was probably six six, and I would I would estimate weighed probably. You know, 300, just, you know, 350, you great big guy. Just a barrel. Yeah. And he was, a, but he had a, like a super, super sweet personality. He played the guitar and he put, he'd weigh, put this full size guitar on, but it looked like a little ukulele, you know, cause it's sitting up here like this. Yeah. That's how he yeah. played it the whole time. So, uh, so I grew up with that and I can definitely, uh, I can definitely handle a little bit more of that. Like Stephen Curtis Chapman's new album. Oh, I haven't heard um, that one yet. It's, uh, what, I can't remember what it's called, but it's all bluegrass. It's amazing. Um, for for me, I think yeah. it's amazing. I don't want it to sound like I'm um, down on bluegrass or even that sound. Right. For me, it's um, as a worship leader, it requires a lot of energy to play those. And I have a congregation that is a little older and I don't want to lose anybody in the midst of a Ren Collective set, you know, mm-hmm. okay, oh, we lost Jan. Um, <laughs> she passed out in the, the aisle, you know. Uh, so, uh, and I, you know, I, I'm very proud of my Irish upbringing. And so uh, I love just the, the, the nature of that, uh, of the music itself and the energy mm-hmm. that it has. I'd love to go to a concert. Because yeah. I suspect yeah. it would be an incredible aerobic workout. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, 
But lately, so where uh, do you go for new songs? Where do you go looking? You know, a lot of by this is not fair, but by virtue of my role with Frequency and with Worship Ministry Catalysts, I get sent a lot of music, and uh, but. I don't find that as useful. It's inter- that's useful to me if I want to find a, a song that would otherwise never have reached me. So I don't listen to the radio. Um, I don't really listen to. Yeah, I really don't listen to Christian radio at all. Which uh, I don't listen to the radio. I guess that's the secret. I just don't <laughs> listen to the radio. Um, so a lot of it is word of mouth, uh, where um, somebody will say, "Hey, have you heard this song?" Dan will say, "Have you heard this song?" Uh, somebody at church will say, I heard this song the other day and it really spoke to me. Could you listen to that? And maybe could we consider it? The pastor will say, listen to this. Um, not, uh, I'd rather it be a song that I'm inspired by. Mm-hmm. And I hear it and I go, oh, I can't wait to lead that song. It doesn't happen very often. How about you? Well, um, there's a couple of sources. I, I do. I mean, I, I listen to people. So if people are talking about a song, um, if someone, if someone, even if the song doesn't hit me that well, if there are a couple people in the church that are asking for the same song, then then we'll probably go with it. Because mm-hmm. I assume that if a couple people ask it, there are probably a couple more that would like it that wouldn't right. ask. Um, so, so we'll do it that way. But then I use um, Planning Center. Are you oh, familiar well, with? Um, yeah, we use Planning Center, like the top twenty or top one hundred. Yeah, I view the, I just view the top songs and just kind of go, you know, you know, this week and you know back a couple of weeks and just see what are the top just kind of scroll through quickly the top 100 songs or so. Yeah. And look at their names and see are these so- like this coming week the the top song is Good Good Father. Well, it's Father's Day, so that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then the number 2 song is Waymaker, which we haven't introduced yet, but a lot of people like. Oh, is that Darlene Check and uh the the guys from uh, um, Dustin uh, Dustin Smith, the guys from Here Be Lions. Um, well, I know Michael W. Smith does a version. I don't know, but I don't think he did. He usually doesn't do the original, so I don't know. It's hard, you know. I, I hear these songs, and um, I, so I know Darlene Check and the guys from Here Be Lions just opened a new church. And I, th- I, is, I don't know if Waymaker is like, that song. Waymaker, Miracle Worker, something like that. That's kind of the... I don't know it. So, uh, uh, I've heard so, of but it, that but song, I don't know it. I can see that song is up 151 places wow. over last year. So I can see, oh, that's, that song is resonating with... So that's right. you know, a, lot of people, a lot of people across the country. And that's kind of one of the tools I'll use is the is the songs and then I'll look and see that's ranking over last year and see how, you know, if there, if there are songs that are kind of making a quote unquote meteoric rise, then I'll probably pay attention to those and say that we should do them. Um, not just for, not just because they're popular, but, um, you know, I, I know you don't listen to Christian radio. I listen to it rarely. Um, and I've actually, I've admitted this on the podcast for years. I don't listen to music hardly at all. <laughs> I mostly listen to podcasts and, and talk, you know, talking, you know, uh, whether it's sermons or, you know, different kinds of podcasts. Um, but there is something, especially, you know, for, for people who listen to Christian radio, if you sing a song in your church and they, and they hear that, you know, Thursday or Friday when they're driving on their way to work, then that, that's a good connection. Yeah for them. Um, and then at the same time, 
you know, we do things, we have a partnership with other churches and once a quarter we'll do worship events to worship prayer and worship things. And so it's nice to know that we probably have a pretty common pool of songs to choose from if we're doing some of those. Right. So. Yeah, we've we've done that as well. The, there's some cross pollination in terms of songs that that occurs. Um, I have what's funny is is I appreciate how you're kind of watching on the horizon. Here are the songs that are really resonating with people. Um, I'm a stubborn person, and so I will have the <laughs> tendency when I see something as popular to do my best to ignore it as long as possible, mm-hmm. which may not speak to my congregation very well. It took right. me a long time to bring oceans in, right? Okay. And because uh, I'm just like, oh, everybody's doing oceans. Uh, good, good fathers, same thing. They've both been introduced. They both resonate with my congregation, but it did take me getting past being stubborn uh, for that. Um for us, like the on-ramp for a song looks like um, either the pastor says, I'm interested in doing this one, or a member of the congregation says, we're interested in this. But uh, it really has to be officially vetted by myself and by the pastor in terms of you know, scripture. Um, mm-hmm. Is it something that the, we believe the congregation will be able to actually sing? Um, some of those songs are, can be, you know, I, I love the songs that take the octave jump. You know, like forever rain Most and stuff. Most of them now. Yeah. Uh, but I know that when I take the octave jump, even if I can vocally handle that, that um, I'm, I'm going to see some people with red faces, you know, right. trying to hit the note. Uh, and I know as a member of a congregation where I had a worship leader who had a beautiful tenor voice, the key was always bad for, you know, maybe 80% of the congregation. And so, you know, what's the vocal range? We'll look at some of those things. And it's actually nice to be able to, to look at a song that you don't want to do and say, you know, we've edited it and just found that it's not not something we're going to do right now. Um, well, and, you know, some of the, this is one of my pet peeves with the songs. Um, did you hear that ding or did that just come through my headphones? Just through your headphones. I <clears throat> okay. <laughs> that's, that's another one of my pet peeves when you hear people's phones and things dinging on podcasts. Yeah. Um, but um, with, with those songs, when they've got the octave jump, a lot of times you have to key them down so that you can hit that octave. That's right. And then you're singing the first, you know, two thirds of the song at the very bottom of your range, you know, right. but, you know, just barely be able to sing it like, uh, you just, I can't think of a song, you know, but you just, you know, I have to get up on the mic and barely get out the bottom notes and then, <laughs> then I can get out the high notes. And I was like, is this worth it? Is this worth the octave jump? Or maybe we could just write a song that's got a nice melody on it and we could sing it in a normal key. That's right. Kinda... Yeah. I, um, uh, it feels like that's intended for uh, a bit of vocal gymnastics, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's, it, it be, to me, that becomes kind of a personal worship song versus congregational worship song. Well, um, it's got, I mean, it's got a great building, mm-hmm. you know, feel to it and it really yeah. helps increase the energy in the room. And, and that, and that uh, is a good thing, but at the same time, I think it's gotten overdone in the last, you know, eight or 10 years. So <laughs> I, I, I go yeah. back to Paul Balash and, and those guys like, let's just write better songs. Like if you have to do that to a song to make it, you know, to make it a good worship song, then we probably haven't written a very good worship song. But let's just write a better song with a better melody and a better lift on the chorus and that kind of a thing. And we'll probably yes. be better off. Yeah. 
It's interesting that you mentioned that because uh, of the three songs that we've added in the past three weeks, which is very, it's a lot. Uh, right. Two of them are from Paul Balash's latest release, um, which is uh, called Behold Him. Okay, I haven't uh, listened to that yet. I'm not going to go find that right now. It's pretty solid, I will say, and and I'm a fan of Paul, but I, I uh, as a as as a person and also uh, as a worship leader, mentor, uh, and um, generally as a songwriter, I, I will say there are times when he releases something that I kind of go, eh, and there are times when he releases things that I go, ooh, wow, okay, that's really special, um, and in this case, I was sitting on our front porch. Um, uh, a couple Sundays ago with my son and I just like, oh, I'm, I'm just going to play this album while we're sitting out here waiting for the remote church service to start. And um, a couple of the songs came on and I just went, oh, oh, wow. I really want to do that song. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so we did. And there's, so there's definitely a selfish aspect. But, um, but you mentioned that one of the songs is the title song called Behold Him. And one of the, um, one of the characteristics of that is the lift in, in the chorus where, um, from a chord progression perspective, he brings you up mm-hmm. and he brings, so you can feel that pull you up into the chorus. And it's just, uh, um, there's something kind of majestic if you do that right, right. you know, that using music theory, there's something to that. That's one of the things, I mean, um, like uh, fans of the podcast will know Kevin and I were huge fans of his album, A Greater Song. Mm-hmm. And yeah. It was one of the rare albums from one person where we did, you know, more than half of the songs from that album. Yeah. As, as, and many churches across the country did a lot of the songs, you know, so it's just a really special, unique, anointed album. Um, and, and, he he was you know I, I think he's a master at, at doing that and he's really good at at saving something for the chorus you know and I think that's you know some of what might be missing in some of our modern songs is you know if you if you play the same chord progression for the whole song reckless love yes there there's no like there is nothing about the song musically that really builds right right so like you know I really like the songs I can't remember what what uh, an example right now, but you know, a lot of songs will go uh, like they'll save, you know, they'll, they'll play like, um, uh, six, four, one, maybe two, one, you know, six, four, one, and kind of use those chords in the verses and right. save that five chord for the chorus. And when you've gone a whole, you know, verse and a verse or two verses without hitting the five chord of any key, and then you hear it for the first time, it's like, like just really, you know, really pounds you and just really kind of elevates yeah. things. Yeah, it's the re- resolution of tension, mm-hmm. right? You're waiting for that. I, there's a, a great YouTube channel by a guy named Rick Beato, if, if you're not familiar. Definitely mm-hmm. worth checking out. Uh, he uh, did some production um, uh, in the uh, late 90s, early uh, uh, early aughts uh, on Christian music, but uh, a lot of um, discussion of music theory, uh, he's got a whole series about what makes this song great, where he breaks mm-hmm. down the different elements of the songs. It's really worth watching. It can get definitely in the weeds on music theory. But uh, I have learned a lot about arranging that I think really translates well 
to what we do as worship leaders. Hmm. Like, when do we bring the bass in? How do we bring the bass in? Um, right. Do you hear the the room the bass leaves for things to happen, or the how the electric guitar hits at this point and then goes away? So just live arrangements and stuff. It's really um, a great channel to check check out. And um, finding a bass player that's willing to leave some room. That's a that's a. <laughs> I have an. That's ex- a miracle. My bass <laughs> player is extraordinary. Uh, a guy <laughs> named Ted Schilling. His wife plays keyboards for us as well. He um, is a student of bass, and he. Uh, I'll give him a song <laughs> like the when Chris uh, when Chris Tomlin did uh, and, and Matt Redman did the Wonderful Cross, mm-hmm. right? Well, for the bass, it's in the key of D, but the the bass never until the chorus. The bass never leaves the D. Like right. D bass, D bass, D bass. Yeah. He's like, oh, okay. Got a pedal tone through the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. But talking about good bass playing is probably a separate topic. But um, so anyway, uh, Behold Him is one of the songs we did. Great lift in the chorus. Um, Heaven is Where You Are is one that we did. And for me, that was a song in terms of how that reached me was just listening to the lyrics and then kind of the 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 cry that's in the chorus the desperate lord you know heaven you know jesus i call on your name you can do anything mm-hmm. heaven is where you are and i'm like feeling kind of that sense in the season maybe of uh, that desperation for god to be mm-hmm. felt and and experienced more in the world that song really um really leapt out at me so those are two of those songs so check that's out good. his album um and uh really accessible arrangements you know, even though um, the verse is G, basically G and uh, C second, uh, he works the melody within that. So you've got something unique there. Mm-hmm. Um, so good craftsmanship. Yeah. And that's, you know, we, uh, we just introduced that. It's not a very, it's not a new song or not a super new song, but Living Hope by Phil Wickham and mm-hmm. um but we've also only been doing one song a week for this whole time. That's right. That's right. I forgot that. Um, and we're talking about if we can get the worship band together this week. Um, but it'll probably just be two songs because of the uh, the fear of singing in a closed space with, uh, with right. a bunch of people. So yeah. um, still working through the details on that. But um, so that was a new one. And, and I kind of, one of the things that's interesting that I like about, um, you know, because we, we, we use the acapella app, but, you know, recording your song, working with your worship team and doing a recording like that, um, it gives you a resource for your, for your congregation, not just, not just something that you can play in the service, but now you, like, our people know how we sing that song. Because inevitably the song changes when you start leading it in your context. That's right. It absolutely does. Yeah. And so then, you know, so even if people are familiar with the song on the radio, there's going to be some relearning that has to happen when they learn how you sing it and your nuances of the of the melody and, and so on and so forth. So so giving them a version of how you sing it, even if it's not a super polished, perfect uh, version, is still a good resource to give to your congregation. So... Yeah, and ours, like, ours on Sunday was really unpolished in the in the mix. I didn't have time to mix to mix it outside of the app. Usually, I take all the tracks out of the app and into Pro Tools and mix everything. And I totally ran out of time to do that. So there was no bottom end at all in the mix. And <laughs> and and you know, I was listening to it. I don't know if you. I don't. Know, I, I don't know how much of that because it's playing over over the internet over Facebook. And I don't know how much bottom end carries well over the internet anyway. But 
I noticed it. And so that's one of the things I'm going to, I'm going to redo the mix and then redo the video to make it sound a little bit better. Yeah, it's uh, I'm glad I'm not a mastering engineer in this <sighs> world right now because, and I have a lot of great tools for mastering. Uh, however, you know, you have to understand the limitations of iTunes, uh, the limitations of MP3s uh, at the compression levels and stuff that they're doing things at and how that impacts your EQ. I mean, I don't mean to get in the weeds on people, but I mean, that's these are the skills that we're, we're having to develop. Right. In this. So uh, so you did the, the, the Phil Wickham song. Um, yep. uh, yes, that was new. That was the first new one we introduced really um, during this time. I've been just kind of doing favorites. Um, but yeah, we're, we're, I mean, we definitely need to introduce some new songs. One of my, one of my pet peeves kind of about our, our repertoire as a church, um, is there's very few upbeat songs. Mm -hmm. Like we really gravitate towards the really worshipful slower songs, but I have a really hard time when I when I go to pick an upbeat song, it's like we just don't have very many in our repertoire, and then there just there also aren't a lot in general. Well, yeah, I there. do have a, a theory that uh, it's easier to write a mediocre fast song. I mean, well, it's let me restate that. I think it's um, the tend the creativity in the worship songs tend to be in the medium to slow, mm -hmm. and then you get a lot of mediocrity in the up-tempo. They just don't have the staying power in terms of uh, one, at least that's my perspective. There's just certain songs that you're like, yeah, for a season, that song's okay. And then you go, oh, I'm bored. Um, this, it, it, it's like the, uh, you mentioned it earlier, where can't we just write better songs, right? And I think that when we have a song that's high energy, um, we can get away with some things Mm -hmm. That we wouldn't, you know, melodically uh, in terms of uh, arrangement that you just can't get away with, with a slower song. Right. And uh, I would agree that uh, as I'm looking at my, the structure of the songs I'm going to use on a given weekend, you know, I want a, a, a mid-tempo, I want an up-tempo, and then coming down into a nice landing uh, going into the sermon. Um, when I look at those up-tempo songs, I go, oh. You know, that's actually where I'm really grateful for for Rend Collective coming back full circle on that. Right, yeah. Is there up tempo songs? You know, build your kingdom here lyrically is just a wonderful, passionate cry for this world to be changed. Mm -hmm. um, and they um, they do some songs there. Uh, create create in me a new heart is um, uh, a great just energy building song. Very simple. Um, but there's, but that's where I appreciate my tendency on the fast songs is what Ren Collective will I do this week? <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, what else were we going to talk about? Well, I, I was going to take like, well, do you want to talk about loops or do you want to talk about, uh, cause I, you know, uh, or do you want to talk about the, uh, technology, the uh, gear, excuse me. Uh, let's let's talk about the gear real quick because I okay. think that'd be useful in this moment for some people sure. who are still doing a lot of stuff at home. Yeah. Um, so uh, it, I kind of ran across, and I probably should have an example of it. Maybe you can find the uh, a link to it. But uh, one of our challenges as we are trying to transition to um, live broadcast of our worship rather than the pre-recorded is um, we use a device called a Mevo camera. 
and the audio on it is pretty mediocre. Mm -hmm. It's not great. And so how do we get higher quality audio into that? And um, I stumbled across a device called the iRig, I-R-I-G, HD2. It's about $100. And what it does is it allows you to take a um, an unbalanced uh, input, uh, so a quarter inch, basically, uh, instrument cable, um, f- uh, and take that into uh, through a lightning cable. Um, it also works with USB. But um, what that... Uh, what that's useful for one is if you're a guitar player, a bass player, uh, or, you know, even if you have a, a quarter inch out on your keyboard, um, that means you could use that as an input to record to, uh, if you have an iPad or something similar, you can record, uh, tracks directly from that. And you get a, it's like a, a, a real lightweight digital interface. It's a, <clears throat> about the size of a, um, a Twix bar. It's not very yeah. big. Um, but what we're doing with that is taking the, um, the auxiliary output out of our soundboard um, and running that out and into our iPad so that we have um, a fully mixed audio that's being shared through the live broadcast that can be different than what you're, if you have an auxiliary mix um, for your live broadcast they can get their own mix versus what the people in the house are hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I, for us, that was just a, rev- a, a relatively inexpensive revelation right. uh, in that regard. Um, so it's, uh, if you, I don't know if you found it or shared it, but uh, yep, I've been, there's a link in the, co- in the uh, comments. Cool. On Facebook. Yeah, we, uh, so one of our, one of our guys had one of the old original I rigs from, yeah. Um, and he was trying to use it or wanted to try to use it for the acapella app because that's one of the downsides of the acapella app is it uses your phone yeah and you're and you're you're stuck with the with the headset microphone right unless uh so one of the things i should just uh the uh the lightning to usb adapter which you can get for about thirty dollars um so if you have that on on the app, you can use that app with most recording interfaces. It can be finicky, mm-hmm. but I have been able to get almost every recording interface I I've had access to to work with the app that way. Um, but our one one of the guys who was playing acoustic, he he was trying to use his iRig, but it didn't have a headphone out on it. Oh yeah. And so on the new phones, your lightning jack is your only jack, right? There's no headphone. <laughs> That's right, Jack. So it's like, how am I going to play if I can't hear? But the new one, I just I looked real quick. It does have a headphone jack on it. It so. does. Yeah, it has a headphone jack uh, on that, and then it comes with some some pretty solid uh, software that you can use with uh, for recording and provide some effects. So you can, um, if you run a clean electric into it, for example, then you can add some distortion and right. some tremolo and and things like that. So it gives you some flexibility you know for us it's really much more about the a practical way to get um our a good sound out of our board um into our live uh live broadcast feed when when we get to our live broadcast feed. right <laughs> <laughs> when we get there well it's good to figure that out you know we we had our first hybrid in-person slash facebook live service on sunday and we one of the things we figured out we had to run so it sounds you're basically doing the same thing, but um, 
we run we run the audio from an aux out on our PreSonus board, and then um, it actually runs through another little mixer just in case they need to adjust the volume real quick right there, the master volume, and then it goes into a camera. Right, so, right. And then from there it goes into our feed. Um, that's how you. That's how. That's how we learned from Dan um, that you, the way to avoid audio uh, video sync problems is if you run the audio into the camera and that's all coming out of the camera synced up, then you're okay. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So are you running uh, a lot yeah. of cables to make that work by the way? Um, well, two cables out of, out of, I mean, at first I had it running right out of the board into the camera and then I decided to run it into the little mixer that we had been using just in case he needed to adjust the volume right there. Yeah, for the for that uh, feed, I would like. I don't know. I was looking. I was using the app. Um, I was running sound, and he was. You know, the guy Rylan. He's usually running. He's usually running sound, but he's running video. So I was running sound from my laptop up on stage, muting and unmuting everything using the the uh, PreSonus app for the soundboard, which is great. Yeah, and uh, it it you know kicks me off every every ten or fifteen minutes or so. <laughs> Yeah. And so like we played a video and then it had kicked me off and I didn't know it had kicked me off. So there's about a 20 second pause where I'm opening the app up and waiting for everything to load so I can go in and mute everything. I'd love to find, I don't know if there's, it seems like there ought to be a, a way to use, you know, I've got the stream deck or, you know, a MIDI keyboard even to remotely mute and unmute channels or the mute groups or something. It seems like that'd be a really simple thing that should exist somewhere in the world. I don't know if it does. Well, let's just ask uh, audience-wise for people who are, uh, whether they're listening live or they're listening on the uh, the feed, the podcast feed, if you're aware of anything like that or or, or gear that you've um, come across that you think is useful, um, let us know about it. We'll we'll explore a bit yeah. as long as we don't have to pay anything for it. Right. <laughs> I guess are true. We don't have any money. But uh, but uh, if it, you think it would be helpful to... Um, to churches, uh, regardless of size, you know, that's something that, um, as we talk gear and we'll probably get Dan, uh, Thompson from over at frequency over to, to talk gear with us as well. Um, that, uh, great topics. And that's why I'm interested because I've never done loops. Um, next, uh, episode, uh, to talk about loops would yeah. be, uh, I think would be really interesting to understand, uh, where you should use them, how they work. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, because, with I think about me playing leading worship in this time with no worship team that because we can't gather and I'm like man this um I, I if I was a better guitar player I could make this arrangement a lot more interesting uh but maybe loops could uh fill in some gaps or something for me yeah that's what we're we're talking about because we lost we lost our drummer and um one of our guitarists and that kind of thing earlier this year. And yeah. that's one of the reasons I'm back into worship and singing way more than I wish I was, but it is the way it is right now. Um, and so, but we're talking about using some loops. I don't want to get carried away, but at the same time, it's, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the newer stuff uh, really depends on the drums and a good rhythm section. And if you're missing out on that, you either have to have, um, a you know really creative percussionist that can kind of fill in some of those gaps with um, um, other percussion, but like Nick, who's watching on our videos, he's been doing all of the djembe and shaker and stuff, 
but he's our, I mean, he's our electric guitarist. So, you know, I guess, you know, do we, do we have Nick, you know, sit back and play drums and, you know, percussion, or do we, do we have him right. play electric? And so, Robbing Peter to pay Paul situation. Right, so. Well, I'm, so we'll do that uh, next week then. We'll, we'll dig in on loops and uh, I'd like to learn more about what you need yeah. to make that happen uh how, how not to screw that up because i know guaranteed i can find a way uh, <laughs> for for that to go south uh and I'll, I'll even share my own personal experience in creating my own uh backtracks uh and how successful slash unsuccessful um that was so okay yeah uh, and i've done that too and i can share my experience with that great but- I think uh, I need to wrap up now and get back to my day job. But uh, Nick, thanks for hanging out with us and everybody uh, who's listening on the feed or comes back and watches this after the fact. We appreciate you, your patience with us, um, our rambling and yet humble and warm conversation. Yeah. (laughs) Well, uh, let's see here. I got to find the button. Got to find which page has the button. I don't know which one. It went away. Oh. So... I guess we're going to do it out of Zoom. All right. Goodbye, everybody. (laughs) Take care, folks. (laughs) Be well. Thanks for joining us once again on the Worship Ministry Catalyst podcast. And make sure to add your voice to the conversation. You can find us at twitter.com slash WM Catalyst. On Facebook at facebook.com slash Worship Ministry Catalyst. Or head over to worshipministrycatalyst.com and drop us a note.